You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. testify of me, Jesus says. Jesus says, you've missed it. There's something wrong with your minds. You know, these Jewish scholars were intellectuals. They were leaders who sought to know God through his word, but they missed the point of what the word tells us and who the word tells us about. There's only one thing recognized in the word of God. There's only one person talked about in the word of God, and his name is Jesus. The scholars and religious leaders of Jesus' time spent their lives searching the Scripture, looking for clues for their coming Messiah. Yet, as Pastor Dave will share today, they completely missed Him when He arrived. Don't miss Jesus. Don't look for the religion. Look for the relationship that can change your life. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5 as he begins his message, Are You Willing? Gospel of John chapter 5, beginning in verse 37, beginning in verse 37, the Gospel of John chapter 5. I'll read aloud, if you would follow along silently, please. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 37, Jesus is speaking, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. So for quite some time now, as we make our way through chapter 5, we've been studying Jesus' first major confrontation with the religious leaders. Jesus is having this confrontation with them because he chose to heal a lame man on the Sabbath. Of course, you know, the Sabbath was very sacred to them. And we said before that they had law after law after law after law of how they were supposed to behave on the Sabbath. And Jesus broke that rule by healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And so they came against him. They railed against him. And they wanted to know, who are you? And why are you doing this? They didn't care about the lame man who was healed. They wondered why Jesus broke the Sabbath. That was their main concern. They tried to put Jesus into their religious box and have him act accordingly. Well, Jesus didn't act according to their religious box, as you might suspect, but Jesus came back at them. He responded to them and boggled their minds. He boggled their minds because he claimed to be equal with God. He claimed that he had authority from the Father to not only raise the dead, but to judge as well. This boggled their mind and made them all more incensed 
to kill him. And then he gave them four witnesses. He gave them a fourfold witness. He, he applied their law. Where Deuteronomy says, out of two or three witnesses, that is, uh, something must be established. Jesus gave them four. He, he gave them John the Baptist. He gave them the works that he was doing. He, he gave them the Father himself. And then he gave them the Holy Scriptures. But there was a problem with these leaders. This wasn't clicking with them. It wasn't making sense to them. They were missing the picture on three levels that I can see. They were missing the picture on three levels. And as our verses today that we look at, we see that these religious leaders were missing because there was something wrong with their minds. There was something wrong with their wills. And there was something wrong in their hearts. They lacked the love of God. So Jesus is going to speak about that. And as we go back and look at 37 through 39, we see this first problem. The religious leaders had something wrong with their minds. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because he whom he sent, him you did not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. The Jewish people highly revered the word of God. They highly revere it, especially the law of Moses, which they call the Torah. It's called the Pentateuch. It's the first five books of the Bible, written by Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by Moses. But they revered these things. They revered these things because they believed that Moses did hear the voice of God. They believed that Moses did pen all these things according to what God told him to do. They believed that he saw God's glory and he wrote about that. And they had these scrolls that were centuries old proving this. And they read it. They studied it. They looked at it. There was no end to it. And they interpret it. They look for the meaning here, look for the meaning there. And as we said, there were so many rules and regulations about each commandment and what they needed to do. Talk about straining a gnat. They constantly look for these things that you must do. They went after it and after it. To them, there was nothing more important. They missed it. Look at 39 again. You, he's talking at them, he's pointing at them. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, Jesus says. Jesus says, you've missed it. There's something wrong with your minds. You know, these Jewish scholars were intellectuals. They were leaders who sought to know God through his word, but they missed the point of what the word tells us and who the word tells us about. There's only one thing recognized in the word of God. There's only one person talked about in the word of God, and his name is Jesus. From Old Testament to New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between, speaks of Jesus Christ. Now, all they had were the Old Testament. That's all they had. We know they had the Torah, but they probably had some other things like Isaiah, and they had some of the prophets and things, and they used to read these constantly. Jesus says, you search these things. You look to them to and fro, constantly printing pages, looking at them, studying them, talking about them, and you missed it. They used to count every single letter of the text seeking to know God. Count every single letter. But they missed the magnificent spiritual truth that lay within it. 
they missed the spiritual truth that lay within it. They were more concerned with the letter of the law than they were with the spirit of the law. And Paul talks about this in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 3, I'll, I'll take you there, verses 4 through 6. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. And we have such trust through Christ towards God, that not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. What was Paul talking about here? Paul was not favoring experience over the Word of God. He wasn't favoring allegorical interpretations or literal understanding. He wasn't favoring one to another. What he was trying to do is the superiority of the new covenant, the new covenant of Jesus Christ. We had the old covenant, which was the law, which is what they based everything on. But there was a new covenant covenant. There was a new covenant that would be formed. It was through Jesus Christ. Paul's saying we need to look at the superiority of that. See, the letter of the law is outward. It's written on stones. When Moses came down from the mount, he had stones of tablet where the law was written on. And that's what the, they're looking at. The law came by the old covenant. The old covenant was through the law. But it was good in and of itself. But it gave you no power. There was no power in the law. No power to serve God. No power even to follow the law. Nobody had the power to even follow the law. Nobody could do it. It was almost impossible. No, it was impossible to follow the law. It didn't have any power. The law didn't change their heart. It told them what was wrong. It told them what they had to do. Do this, do that, don't do that. Do this, oh, don't do that. That's what the law said. Paul said the letter of the law kills because the law exposes our guilt. It kills us before God. The law shows us our sin. The wages of sin is death. The law kills. The letter kills. The law thoroughly and completely establishes our guilt. I didn't know what sin was before the law came in. I didn't know why I shouldn't steal until the law said thou shalt not steal. I didn't know these things. So it establishes my guilt. And through the law, we become dreadfully aware of our sin. We become dreadfully aware that we have fallen so short of the righteousness that God requires. God requires righteousness. Paul expresses this point yet again in Romans 7, verses 5 and 6. Let me read them to you. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The indwelling Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, becomes for us a law, but that law is now written on our hearts. The law is written on our hearts, not with tablets of stone, but on our hearts. It isn't that the Holy Spirit replaces the law. The Holy Spirit does not replace the law, but he actually completes the law and fulfills the law, fulfills the written work of the law in our hearts. The Spirit gives life. 
And with the spiritual life, we can live out the law of God. Now, if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, if you haven't been born again into a living hope, if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you are hopeless. This is why Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you to fend for yourself. Heaven forbid if I have to fend for myself. Been there, done that, got scars, T-shirts, ripped up things to prove it. Heaven forbid I have to live for myself. Jesus says, you don't have to fend for yourself. So I'm going to give you a helper, a comforter. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you all truth. He's going to lead you into all things. He's going to testify of me. Praise God he left the Holy Spirit to us. Praise God. But we can't throw away our Bibles. We can't throw away our Bibles. Some say that this is the letter of the law. No, it's not. No, it's not. If it's a letter, it's God's love letter not the letter of the law, because we have the Spirit. The Spirit makes the law alive. It makes the letter alive. It fulfills it and completes it. We shouldn't think that this is permission to live our Christian life by experience only or by interpretations of mysticism. Experiences and allegories, they have their place, but they must be proven true. They must be proven true and supported by study of the Word of God. And this is why here at Calvary Chapel, it's line by line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept. That's what we believe in. The whole counsel of God, because that's what we need. The Spirit and the letter are not enemies. They're actually friends. They like each other. They don't work against each other. They don't work against each other. And one is complete without the other. Jesus says, hey, you know the Scriptures. You know the scriptures. He was commending them. You search the scriptures. You know them. Let me give you an example of knowing the scriptures. In Matthew 2, verses 5 through 6, we see that these kings are following a star. They knew the star would be up there because the scriptures said a star would guide the way. They knew the star would be up there, so they come to Herod. They come to Herod, and they knock on the door and go, we come to seek the king of the Jews. Where is he? And Herod says, I didn't know we had a king of the Jews. I thought I was king. What's going on here? So he goes to the scribes and the Pharisees and the wise men. He brings them over and says, what are they talking about? They search the scriptures and find out that this king was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They knew the scriptures. They knew them. But knowing the scriptures is not sufficient to receive the gift of eternal life. See, and that is a problem for some of us. Some of us are highly intellectual. Some of us are highly intellectual. Oh, we know the scriptures. We can spout them out, man. We can give you quotes and addresses, and we can give you those scriptures. But it doesn't take root in our hearts. Something's missing. Something's missing. Jesus says, you know the scriptures, and you think you have eternal life. But you do not. To have eternal life, you must go all the way back to chapter 3. You must go all the way back to Nicodemus, where he says, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing in him, you have life in his name. This is what believing is. This is what it is. I got this interesting quote from Mark Twain. was given to me. Mark Twain said this. This is an interesting quote. It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things in the Bible that I understand that bother me. Why? Because you are responsible for it. You're responsible for it. 
The scriptures remind us constantly and on every single page what is going on. And we should never, ever grow tired of reading scripture. You should never, ever grow tired of hearing me talk about scripture. Some people complain, why in the heck do you constantly talk about Christianity 101? Why are you always saying you have to be born again? Why are you always saying this? Why are you always saying that? Because we need to be reminded over and over and over and over and over again. It's like when I was a little kid playing in the dirt. Mom would say, how many times do I have to tell you? Well, that's what God's saying to us. How many times do we have to tell you? We have to tell you a lot. Peter says, I don't want to be negligent in giving you this information. He says this in 2 Peter 1. He says, I don't want to be negligent with giving you this information. It's necessary that I remind you of the basics over and over and over again, even though you know the truth. And I look out, I see you, many of you, most of you know the truth, but you need to be reminded. You need to be reminded on a constant level. And my example that I used last service, I'll use again. I coached many, many sports in my education career. I was blessed to coach many, many sports. And one of the things we did at every single practice is we went over the basics. We went over the basics, what was good, the beginning, basketball, how to pass the basketball, how to dribble, do these kind of things. And all the sports that I taught, we always spent the majority of time at practice going over the basics. So what difference? We're going over the basics. We're going over Christianity 101. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. The Christian should never get tired of hearing the basics of the Christian life. And we should rejoice every time Jesus Christ is mentioned and the gospel is preached. We should rejoice. We should rejoice. But the religious leaders, they had a mind problem. They had a mind problem, but it went much, much deeper than this because they had a problem of the will. They had a problem of the will. Let's look at verse 40. Jesus again still speaking, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Eternal life doesn't come from the knowledge you have about the Bible. Eternal life does not come from the knowledge you have about the Bible. Eternal life comes by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord. So we have to ask the question, and it's not, do you know Jesus? It's not, do you know Jesus? Because the demons know who Jesus is. And they shudder and they quake. But the question is, is Jesus Christ your Lord? That's the question of the day. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Do you seek his guidance for everything? You know, the scary thing about this is, and this does make my knees quake, and it really, really bothers me when I read this passage. And it's, it's a beautiful passage, but when I read it, it really upsets me. Jesus says that many will come to me on that day, and they will call me Lord, Lord. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, that hurts. That really, really hurts. Depart from me, I never knew you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people that have been playing church for a long time. People who had head knowledge of the Bible, thinking that they were going to get into the kingdom because they had all this head knowledge, because they attended church on a regular basis because they helped the poor, or they tithed, or they were a nice person. That's scary. That's scary. He says, you're not going to enter the kingdom because you didn't do the Father's will. What's the Father's will? Come to repentance. 
that all would come to the knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, my fear is, and this is true, as your pastor, my fear is that week after week I say these things. And my fear is that there are some of you out there who hear it, and it goes in there, rattles around a while, and then somehow it finds its way out. And some of you are sitting there today thinking, when is this guy going to shut up so I can do my grocery shopping? What time do the eagles play? You know, all the important things, all the real important things, instead of listening to what God is saying through his Holy Spirit to you, how God is preaching to you through his Holy Spirit, how he wants to touch your heart in so many ways. That's my fear. That's my fear that you're going to think because you come on Sunday mornings, praise God, I'm glad you're here, that you have a knowledge of the scriptures that you are going to gain salvation. No, not according to what the Bible says. That's why Mark says, what the Bible says that bothers me. It's what the Bible says because now I'm responsible for it. There was something wrong with the religious leaders' will. They were religious, they were caught in the religious box, and they were self-righteous. They were relying on their own righteousness to get into heaven. They were relying on their own righteousness to get into heaven. Jesus makes this beautiful, beautiful, almost heartfelt lamentation in the Gospel of Luke. He makes this beautiful, heartfelt lamentation in the Gospel of Luke. And listen to the last words in verse 34 of chapter 13. Jesus is looking over Jerusalem. He's looking over there, and he says these words. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Same thing he just accused the Pharisees of. They were not willing. Look into this picture. You see the heart of God? I really wanted you. How I long for you to come, but you weren't willing. How I long for you to come. I really wanted to have a relationship with you, but you weren't willing. You weren't willing. You killed the prophets. You stoned those who were sent to you. But, listen church, but, in spite of all of Israel's wickedness, in spite of all of Israel's lack of knowledge, in spite of Israel's history of constant rebellion, Jesus still called to them. Jesus still called to them. And let's get personal, folks. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our backsliding, in spite of our poor attitude towards our neighbors, in spite of our total lack of knowledge, Jesus is still calling to you today with these words, come to me. Come to me. Come unto me. He's calling to you. God's desire is to keep you and to comfort you and to protect you from harm. He loves you. And he desires the best for you. His thoughts towards you outnumber the sands in the sea. And all his thoughts are good thoughts. Thoughts of hope. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of prosperity. Thoughts of wonderfulness. He loves you. And thoughts of glory with him. And he wants nothing more than to fellowship with you and bring you into his glory. Oh my gosh. He wants you so badly that he let his son die on a cross. He wanted you so, so badly loved you so, so much, if we would just let that sink into our hearts. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.